Hi, I'm Lips from the band Anvil. And this is Rob Reiner. And this is Sasha Javazi, director of the film Anvil, the story of Anvil. And you're listening to Sticky Jazz. The opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Sticky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. Uh, back after a couple of weeks of uh, some health issues. Thanks for your patience and God bless all of you. Uh, this week, I have Sam Kirschlin, a.k.a. Sam himself, a Swiss-American golden boy. Golden Days is his new song, actually. He's uh He's a crooner like Elvis meets Bruce Springsteen is the only way to describe him. He brings in some great feeling with his sound and uh, just a hell of a lyricist on top of that. So here's his new single, Golden Days. So Sam himself, let's all sit back and do Dusty.
everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks. And uh, this morning, it is very early here. Uh, I have the Swiss American country voice crooner uh, Elvis Bruce Springsteen. I don't know, man. He's kind of all that. Um, he's a Swiss American bloke. I believe he's somewhere in, in Switzerland right now. And uh, please, everybody, welcome Sam himself. Hello, Sam. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for all that praise. I'll, I'll take all of that. You'll take all of that. So uh, you are, are you in Switzerland right now? Yes, sir. Okay. Are you uh, German or French Swiss, actually? Uh, German Swiss. Yes, oh, okay. So, and because I I was noticing um, when they played the, uh, when I heard Go uh, Golden Days, right? I thought, oh, right. That's this funky uh, French Canadian sounding. It was just <laughs> so bizarre. I thought, okay, because like when I hear the Swiss speak French, it does sound a bit funky. But I will say, when I hear the, the Swiss speak German, I, wait, when the Swiss speak French, it's funky. When they speak German, it's even more funky. So, I yes, I think you you could say that. That's a mild way of putting it. They uh they don't understand us. The Germans don't. Um, but we understand them. So we have like our own secret language. Yeah, ich weiß, weil ich kann zum Beispiel Deutsch mit dir sprechen. Yeah, so nun kommt mir ganz klar verstehen. Kein Problem. Weil ich die Hochdeutsch spreche, weil ich, ich wohne in Hamburg und Hannover. Du kannst mich ganz normal verstehen, aber ich würde aber nie, ich, ja, ich, ich würde niemals die Schweizerdeutsch verstehen. Ja. I was, um, that's awesome, hallo. I was uh, just in Hamburg. Yeah. Yeah, Reeperbahn Festival, that's why I look the way I do. An der Reeperbahn, Reeperbahn um halb eins, ja. So, ja, ich wohne in Hamburg für zwei Jahre. Und okay. äh, auch in Dresden für ein, ein Sommer, ein Sommerferien mit meiner Frau. Und ähm, ja, ich habe überall Deutschland gewohnt auch. So. Äh, dein Deutsch ist, ist perfekt. Ist <lacht> so, but I also speak French. So, oh. how, how is that, you know? So, um, what is... Brent, are you just showing off now? Is this is this no, the part of the show? No, no, no. Actually, I can. I I lived in France as well, and I went to a French university in Montreal. Oh wow! And, so you're trilingual, polyglot. Um, yeah, and a couple others too there. So, um, yeah, but Swedish That's not one I can understand though. Never, no. <laughs> It's a niche. It's a niche dialect for sure. I feel like you'd really have to love Switzerland in order to learn that and, and commit to it, because it's it's going to be like you and, and half a million others that are going to be able to like communicate that way. So you know, it, it's for the true aficionados. <laughs> well, so what part of Switzerland are you in? Uh, I'm in Basel right now. Um, oh, okay. I'm, yeah. My, my studio in in Basel, which is actually uh, walking distance from France or germany so mm -hmm. keeping it international you know yeah i um i've never set foot in switzerland believe it or not i've been to austria and germany um i'm you know i'm, I'm not taking that personally at all i feel like no I, I i just never had the opportunity to go but i always meet the 
like when I lived in in France, all the you had a lot of Swiss expatriates living in France, and okay. I could always tell that, like, even when I was over in Germany, I always go, okay, those guys are Schweitzer, right? You know, always just just. But in and their their French in France was also like very noticeable, very different than than what the locals were speaking. But I just got used to the other good people loved them. You know, it's uh, I just I've never had an opportunity to go to Switzerland, believe it or not. It's never too late. I, I recommend it. It's a nice uh, place. Very, very specific, very idiosyncratic place. But, um, you know, I'm biased, but I I'm in favor Oh, I I would love to go there. I um, yeah, I have friends that live in Bern, and then mm-hmm. Solikofen. So oh no, Solikofen definitely no Bern. One of our prettiest cities. Uh, my dad was from Bern. Oh, okay. So Bernese. So Bernese Deutsch, yeah. Within <laughs> German, for we're, we're getting deep now, but but uh, there's like Basel Deutsch, which is a different. With German than like Baron Deutsch, so you can really split here. Is there? Mm-hmm. So, um, do you speak French too while you're at it? Just because you happen to be from Switzerland, or is it? I do. I, I probably not as well as you do. Like if you went to university in Canada and stuff, but I I have like a decent school French with some antiquated idioms and and like whatever was youth language when I went to high school, you know? <laughs> yeah. Allez, allez, uh, allez en boîte avec les potes. So it's, it's like very, it, it might sound a little like early aughts when I speak French, but um, I, I can make myself understood for sure. So, because at my house, um, my daughters, they all grew up speaking French. We go to French school here. Oh, and yeah, so we're, our our house, like all my kids, they all speak French, and so it's it's really cool that like we just have that as what you know, not very American to have that uh, a bilingual family like that, especially when I'm not native French and or, or anything, but I wanted them to speak French, and we sent them to French school, and there it went, you know. So um, that's awesome. Where are you yeah, based? I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh wow! I've never been there. Yeah, never been here. Um, actually, you've been in my neighborhood, though. I've seen your videos. You've been in my neighborhood. I definitely. I feel like it depends on your definition of a neighborhood, but I've, uh, I've I've tried to travel around the U.S. for sure. Yeah. Well, there are several of your videos. I'm like, wow. Okay, where was that at? That's totally got to have been either Nevada or California, right down there. Um, but. Uh, I'll get to those questions. I will get to those. What's that? No, I'll, I'll follow. I'll follow your lead. I, I have a. I got a little story there for you. Okay, so <laughs> Sam himself is a. He's a German Swiss. You, you, you're. They sent me your song "Golden Days," yeah, which I thought was. I was like, well, it sounds like he's speaking Canadian French, right? But uh, with with just how he was rolling the words, but uh, there you are. You're like this crooner, like Elvis, there in the in the in the sleek cowboy outfit, and you're doing all that. And everyone was just it was it was like a, an Elvis experience, right? That was kind of the point that I, I was getting from from that. But the lyrics had nothing to do with what was going on in the video. 
which I thought was pretty cool too. But so talk about that song for a minute. So um, the the song lyrics are about like maybe nostalgia and sort of the emotion that that sentiment can evoke, if that makes sense, without succumbing to the pathos of nostalgia, right? So like, I remember the, you know, whatever the golden days we had, the those times when everything was roses and, and uncomplicated. And then I think the the video tried to maybe nod to that in a, in a way of, of like showing the ridiculousness of nostalgia a little bit, but also like totally as you're picking up on like the homage of like, there's definitely a very real part of me that is fully in awe of like, you know, the golden days or maybe not so golden, the glitzy days of like showbiz Elvis or like showbiz Johnny Cash or Waylon Jennings. Yeah, you know. yeah, because I was like, you know, because you had some of the Elvis there, and you were, you you were, you were playing each instrument, but I was like, yeah, we got Merle Haggard, we got, you know, like all those guys in there, and I'm gonna say this, like I, I have, I, I, I'm very critical of country music, okay, American country music, and the last real good stuff for the longest time ended when Garth Brooks took the stage, right? That was when I was like, all right, country's gone to crap. Garth Brooks, it's all, you know? And um, there was some real bad country that came out for a long time that I just couldn't listen to. And then I, I made friends with a guy a, a couple of years ago who actually hit the scene at exactly that time. And he's actually a very good musician and he's not one of those dragged out, whatever. Right? He he holds a lot of the old school there to him that I, I think it is pretty good. So I can like, okay, there's, there's one or two that I can still listen to, but yeah, it's that it was the golden age of country like that, that, that you were covering there that I enjoyed. And then as soon as Garth Brooks hit, I'm like, Oh God, nothing, you know, <laughs> throw it all out. You know, <laughs> I hear you. I, I definitely, um, I have issues with, I want to say maybe contemporary country or like, you know, tailgate pickup truck, like super commercial um, country that that is not um, my cup of tea at all either. And I think the the funny thing about those, those outlaws, let's say like the, the seventies, maybe like late sixties era dudes that I really, and gals, by the way, people, musicians that, that I really um, look up to, is that they were fighting against Nashville, right? That was like Waylon's whole thing, to, to a fault. He like he's obsessed with how he how they do it in Nashville, and he doesn't want it. And he has all kinds of songs about it. And after a while, you're like, dude, it's fine. We get that you you're not into Nashville. You know, let's let's move on. <laughs> well, even okay, so yes, with that. But this guy Ty Herndon, my buddy, he lives in Nashville. <laughs> And they they all did and like that's where it's still at and it's like some of the greatest musicians of all time. Right, right but he he's also but Ty he's also the first openly gay country singer. That's awesome. And he's that's there in Nashville, and I'm like, all right, you know. But so even more funny than that, I interviewed another girl uh, about a month ago. Her name's Abby Anderson, and she grew up on country and doing all that, and she was fine. She moved to Nashville, did a couple country records hated it 
thought, <laughs> I want to do everything else. I got to solve others. So she said, I'm going to go do these other things now. And they're great. Her new stuff's really good. It's not Nashville country. It's a, but she's still living in Nashville too. It's like, geez, you know, they they there's something about that place they can't get away from, you know. I, I agree. I think that's that's like whatever Ken Burns calls it, the, the rub of country music. It's that it's it's full of contradictions and self-reflection and conflict and like mixing all the best and worst and weirdest of America at all times. And as an outsider, that is extremely fascinating. Like that's that's always been magnetic to me because I'm not American. So I have these ideas about America, a lot of which I, I get through music. And so obviously Nashville is like, for better and worse, it's it's a, a mecca for that of sorts. Well, you see now this, you'll, you'll think this is, this is really funny then when I tell you this. I am a world-class polka music fan. So you, you must I, know. <laughs> I love polka. I love polka, right? And it, it well, because I used to live in Wismau. Uh, in Mecklenburg for Pullman, in, in the Nähe von Hamburg, on, on, on the Ostseite, it was in the ehemalige DDR. Im Osten, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, ich war im Osten Deutschland und die haben immer Poker gespielt da. Es war immer, jeden Tag, es war nur Polka, für die ganze Zeit da. So, I would, I would just be hearing this Polka all the time, and I just got used to it, right? We were over on the Polish border, and, you know, so you just hear it, and you just kind of got to like it, you know? And I come back to the States, and I was like, there's not really much of it here, you know? And I missed it. <laughs> so I just, uh, just about probably, I remember it was right before my daughter was born. I was just like, I miss listening to that stuff, man. So I started buying Polka records, and I listened to it a lot, man, and, you know, I think I'm like one of those few Americans that, that still gets into that stuff, you know. That's, I mean, if you got any good polka recommendations, I'm all ears. But I, don't you think it's in, like, country? It's like the European sort of roots of, of country. There's a bit of polka there. Yeah, obviously. yeah, polka is, yeah. Because you can hear it in the Czech Republic, Germany. You can hear all the way into Holland. And then, yeah, a lot of the Spain, a lot of the music in Spain still has it, you know. Uh, like but what we like okay we're totally off topic here but down in 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 like anaheim california where disneyland is right that was right. settled by the germans and some guy back in the 20s or 30s built a place called gustav's polka tavern and every night it's pretty much oktoberfest right but the band that plays there it, it's a mariachi band playing polka but it's all the same thing i mean it's the songs are all the same it's just are they gonna sing in german or are they gonna sing in in spanish man and that's so funny that when, when i found that out that like this whole mariachi thing is just a bunch of residual polka too you know so <laughs> yeah we're talking we're talking about european country music man that's that's pretty funny that yeah that's that's the best way of putting it i feel like that's and the the awesome and and weird thing about america is that you have all these like coexisting sometimes you know combating influences like co commingling and, and like making something new at all times and, and that's so that's crazy like you don't have that anywhere else in the world it, well what's so unusual about you and what your sound is doing is because 
usually what's coming out of Switzerland and Germany and that very, you know, the electronica stuff, right? The whole, I mean, of course, the, the Armin van Bruen and, and all the Dutch guys, they've conquered the electronica industry. Those guys are like, that's, you know, but hearing your stuff coming out, it was such a, it was a breath of fresh air, but it was so weird against what I've been hearing out of that part of Europe for so long. You know, okay. and I, I got a kick out of that. that. Was something I really liked. I was like, "Wow, this is fun to to listen to." Very different, but it's definitely not because I was like Swiss American. Okay, that's gonna be unusual. Oh, now let's take a couple of steps deeper into this, and then you're you're singing Bruce Springsteen covers, but you're sounding like do you know who Greg Laswell is? Yeah, I think my. Bass player Josh Warner, um, that was like his mentor. Is that possible? Is that the right generation? Greg like Laswell. A... Yeah. Well, Greg Laswell's been out about the last five, six years, but I'm thinking about Bill Laswell. Sorry. Wrong laugh. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> no, so Greg Laswell, you sound like I mean, I'm like, you're pulling a lot of that into some of your work. And I'm just like, this is so eclectic for where you're coming from and it has a very different feel to it because it's still got a lot of Americanist in it but with a different point of view to deliver really good stuff I really liked that just about okay. your music it was you know but I guess well on that song on Golden Days there um, once upon a time we worked like a charm knocks me off my feet to remember back then nothing kept us apart but we came undone anyway i guess you kind of explained what the idea of that was was we're trying to hold on to the awe of the zeitgeist of what was going on there with the golden days but not necessarily to be in it anymore right was that the what was that that's what those lyrics were about right we uh, nothing so kept us apart but we came undone anyway I, I I mean I, I appreciate it, but I think you're you're overestimating me if you think I, I had like some commentary with the Zeitgeist in mind. I think my favorite songs were like the ones I would you know get parts of tattooed on my body um, are, are youth or love songs, right? But but that are ideally maybe a little more than just romance um, focus. <laughs> so the initial level was like. Uh, Maybe a, a romantic, um, let's say, grievance or, or nostalgic complaint, almost that I'll remember when everything was, you know, roses and in, in bubble baths, whatever. And then the the sort of like core didn't hold. And if that like, maybe that was what the video was trying to do. Also, was was what if that like could mean something beyond just like uh, a type of like lovers discourse or whatever and maybe highlight in its vagueness the the fact that all nostalgia is is fiction right like any past glory that that like zeitgeist nostalgia or interpersonal nostalgia refers to is usually made up or at the very least it's like glorified beyond it's glorified we we write more into it than what really happened yeah so so and i feel like if if that it did the trick if like to you it it, um, it allowed for this other interpretation that I'm, I'm never like aware of, of all the meanings something could have uh, when I write the thing and I think 
as long as that is true, I'm, I'm like doing my job right. Well, some it's... some of your lyrics are so crazy, like just <laughs> so. I, I I mean, uh, paint my sleeve with your blade. I mean, all that. I mean, there's some stuff there. I'm like, whoa, where's this guy getting this from? Um, yeah. <laughs> So uh, there's the, the line home is, is uh, in never let me go. Right. The home homes, a strange and distant place. The where bones, the wind can blow away, pile up a giant empty sky. Lone shadows in the shade we met won't allow the sun to set on the day we learned to say goodbye. Like that was pretty bleak. That was. Okay, you're saying never let me go, but then you're talking about just this. I mean, funeral pyre. What? What the hell was happening in that? Number one, number two. Was that filmed in Iceland, by the way? Where were you? Yeah. It was. That's okay. Yeah, good eye. Um, that was the little story I, I had. Well, I've been to Iceland, so I was like, that looks very familiar. He's on the he's on the crater there. Okay. It was, we filmed a music video in Iceland. It was, um, I think between tour dates or like at the end of a German tour when we shot that video. So we were just like, you know, went to Iceland for 36 hours, didn't go to sleep because it was light out and we only had that. Um, sorry, sorry, the lyrics, uh, you know, put a bit of a downer on, on the like general mood there. I think what I was saying, <laughs> What I was trying to do in that song is um, maybe show the connection uh, that can arise when, when like you feel sort of orphaned, except with another person or like with uh, a group of people that that like all the bleakness, all the sort of uh, isolation, notwithstanding, can can type can give you a type of anchor and in can ground you in in like a sense of home. So I tried to like contrast the. You know, whatever you call it, the funeral uh, pile. The, the funeral pyre, yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the pile so, of bones that the wind can't blow away, pile up the giant empty sky. Yeah. I've, I mean, these are like goth lyrics. This is the stuff. That, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he's not a goth, man. He's, you know, it's. I, I have a tendency to, to be a little like you know William Blake whatever like I get pretty emo like I, I used to listen to a lot of Nick Cave and stuff but but then I tried at the very least contrast the contents of that with the music so that song Never Let Me Go first single that came out before Golden Days um, has you know if, if any of my songs have a bit of that era like four on the floor dance music feel um, it might be that song so I, I tried to like contrast that um, okay no no you just said the magic words man nick cave all right <laughs> that was you know yeah we all do nick cave you know we we the thing about nick cave is you can't listen to a song mm -mm. You, you binge on nick cave you 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 push play and it just goes you can't uh oh i'll i'll, I'll listen to this one song you know no it, it, it nick is you got to do at least six or seven to get through a Nick Cave experience. I agree. And then, but then you also got to hedge your bets a little bit and like not OD because there's definitely... Otherwise like, you'll be in there for days, yeah. Or years, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, I also think that like 
bad Nick Cave imitations are like the worst that, you know what I mean? I, I try to very much like be sort of in awe and be inspired by him without being like a cheap knockoff um, Nick. Cause like who, who else could do that? Even just the fucking hair, like, right. And the mustache he had for a while, like yeah. no one's gonna get away with that. No one's going to no wear one those. Get, no one, no one could go with that weird, slowly balding pattern hair and whatever and still be badass yeah <laughs> you know so so like i i he's in there but i try to like keep him in check with with the other beasts in okay it's like you know up there like nick cave you've got the other gods like lou reed you know you've got these guys who are like they could they could walk out and belch into the microphone and grumble about something that you wouldn't even understand oh i i tripped coming up the stairs tonight and uh kind of sucked and uh be like <laughs> wow it's fucking you know they did it like that whatever it was was so cool right you know um I, like okay one, one of the wildest things because i've been listening to nick k for a long time but then i was on a really emotional binge once completely like just about this this friend who her and I had been on and off for years and I got so angry and all this shit went down at one time. It was so bad. She was living in Paris. I was living in Boston and I had to drive from, from this place where I was in Boston back to my house, which is about an hour away. Right. And I was listening to their version of all tomorrow's parties. And it's like two in the morning on new year's day. Right uh 2001 i remember it so clearly i just left the club she's off in paris she has no idea i'm so angry i'm just driving and what god you know just just listen to this just the just you know oh man that was like the nick cave moment you know that was one amazing nick cave moment He's good. Uh, he's a good companion for a nocturnal uh, oh, rage. Gosh, yeah, there was. I just the just you know the da you know for for all tomorrow's parties, man. So yeah, like Nick Cave will do that to you. But I and I got home and I wrote her a letter and I was all angry and I mailed it to her and she was like, "Okay, I'll wait till he calls down." <laughs> we didn't talk for for months and then she's like, "All right, you okay? You feeling better?" You know. But that was so wild. I got home and I wrote this letter of just anger and she, you know, but Nick Cave, man, he'll do that to you. Um, he's a strong, he's a strong potion for sure. Oh, he's a strong medicine, man. Um, so your song, Slow Drugs. Mm -hmm. Okay. First of all, do you know who John Aston is? Do you remember that guy? No. Who's that? Uh, he was a, a musician in about 1990. He put out a really cool record called the perfect angler and no. that was what your song slope excuse me slow drugs had that that vibe of john ashton to it john. it was i was like that's so cool because like, it's just i haven't heard that in, in such a long time probably since that record came out that when i heard this i was like oh that's awesome he 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 nailed that hook right he caught that vibe and yeah. so yeah it was called the perfect angler i'll, I'll send you the links i'll say i'll email you the, about that record but you had that vibe so strong on your song perfect drugs 
I, I'm sorry, slow drug, slow drug. And it's like, man, like, it was just good to feel that one again, right? You know, the, the, just the, that experience, it, again, I would listened to that song in, in probably 10 years. He One of the songs off of that record, but then that whole record just came screaming back because of your song, Slow Drugs. You know, it's funny. I've never, I've never heard of that guy, but it's, it's, um, that's amazing to me how like I, I discover new bands through like my own shit, which reminds someone else, in this case, you, of yeah. like other band I've never heard of. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, so, so let's talk about the video for that one. That one, Roller Skates on the Rocks, was, I was like, that's a bit nutty. Okay. Um, it was pretty surreal. I'm like, that must be very difficult what he's trying to do on those roller skates on the some parts. And then you're flying. But where was that one filmed, by the way? That was in Switzerland. That was in the, like various mountain passes in the Swiss Alps. And we filmed it like right before COVID. So we filmed it in the fall, I think, of 2019. Um, and yeah, I do not recommend wearing roller skates on the like gravelly mountain roads. Yeah, certain... didn't didn't look easy to dance in, really. Those. Uh, oh, man. And I, I fell harder than I anticipated. I couldn't roller skate, of course. Like I thought, how hard could it be? Because I had the four wheeled ones, you know, not the inline stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things are fine until you realize they don't have brakes. So what do you have to do is like you, you have to do like skiing. You do you ski like you have to do. Uh, like yeah, a, well, I I snowboard, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. So it it was it was um really agonizing, and it turned out really beautiful. Uh, but that it video did, but it was pretty. Yes, it was surreal. I was like, okay, what's the point? He's trying to dance and skate on the gravel in roller skates. Bravo. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I hear a, a hint of irony there, a little trace of, of um of irony. I I my idea, my my brilliant concept was to like showcase uh adversity in like very visually inviting terrain, right? So like how can I showcase this terrain, this like beautiful mountain backdrop? as the protagonist with me just basically being like a small visual interruption and also create like some kind of conflict that could then maybe be a story or just like have some dramatic element in there rather than just like me strolling through the mountains. I was like, hell, there's gotta be like in any good love song, any good Nick Cave song, there's gotta be like some of adversity. <laughs> well, I mean, but I was like, okay, so is that symbolic of, God, this is how it's like trying to get around when you're fucked up on drugs, right? That was part of what I was, that was sort of where I kind of viewed some of it. But let's see, slow drugs for bad love to hide behind. Bring yeah. your blue lips and let slip a careless eye when your lids seal your airplane eyes. Okay. Lead lids. When your lead lids seal your airplane eyes. I'm like, are we talking about like... Like airplane has like, okay, you're falling asleep on the plane, maybe, but at the same time, the blue lips, that's to me when I was at, when I drove ambulance, right? And blue lips were in hypothermia, the person's dead, you know, one of the two, right? And I'm like, okay, where, where are we in this? You know, and I, the, the visuals were pretty trippy, but I, the, the, the visuals that we were storing were trippy, but then I'm like trying to compare this to, 
okay, is, is this the guy trying to make life function while still having all these drugs in his life? A symbolic of, yeah, I'm trying to skate through the freaking mountains on roller skates in this brittle gravel, man. It wasn't even pebble gravel. It was like that flat slated volcanic shit that you can't, you know. So it was it wasn't easy. Um, I didn't know you drove an ambulance. That's badass. I, yeah, no, I I when I was much younger and had hair, I um I drove ambulance, I was a bounty hunter, I did all kinds of I was all about the excitement, man. I, I lived for the exciting. I had to be where the action was. So that that will do that, right? Like being an EMT or like a first responder, you'll you'll get a lot of action that way. Um, yeah, I was a I was a bodyguard, a bounty hunter, paramedic. Uh, well, to EMT, I was security guard. I did all that. You know, I was dangerous man. Yeah, yeah, I, I wore a bulletproof vest and carried a gun for a while. It was uh, pretty. Yeah. Oh Lord. Um, well, I now I feel a little bad that that like. I, I guess I definitely never, for all my emo inclinations or all my like operatic um, infatuations with the English language, right? Um, I never want to set someone off by like with an image like that or, or like trigger like a, a whatever a traumatic memory or something for someone who's actually like seen the action. And like, I wasn't aware, I was aware of the connection of like the, you know, there's all these songs, Turning Blue by Iggy Pop and Bo, whatever there is like, so there's that element of it. But I was, um, at the time I was uh, with a person who they would paint their lips blue. And I guess in homage maybe to that a little bit. Um, to me, it, it was more like a, a kink the, uh, like a little not even like a, a fetish type of thing whatever just like a little idiosyncrasy that that they like maybe toyed with so i was one step removed from the glorification of the like dead body with the blue lips but i definitely now that i'm thinking about it maybe it's careless of me to to have no that no, no i that was just something that came up to me because i'm one that had you know but then there's Let's see. Do you know the the punk band TSOL? They did a song called Code Blue. And um, it's about that, by the way. Code Blue by TSOL. The other is Baby Turns Blue by the Virgin Prunes. Um, that's another one. That, uh, But that Virgin Prunes one's more like a fetish thing. That's definitely a fetish thing. The Baby <laughs> Turns Blue. But um, so, you know the Virgin Prunes, right? No. Oh, dude, you know who Gavin Friday is? Gavin Friday? Gavin Friday and the Virgin Prunes. This is like, this is like, if if you have U2, they're from the same club of people. So they're all best friends with U2. They're called the Virgin Prunes. And they're Irish. Yeah, they're Irish. Yeah, they're best friends with U2. And, and so you've got U2, this Christian, spiritual, enlightened, fun, you know, up, Virgin Prunes are the B-side of that. They're the flip side. So if you imagine you two gone goth with some crazy ass arty fetish business, that's the Virgin Prince. Oh, that's like Achtung Baby, basically, right? That's like what they were trying to do there. It's no, like no, no. It was like very dark, much darker than that. But okay. um, yeah, no, I I saw the Achtung Baby tour. Well, the my my guilty pleasure is you two, 46 concerts. Holy fuck. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, big U2 fan. Um 
How long have you been on the bandwagon? Like, when did you join? Well, I got my, they became my favorite at the Unforgettable Fire. Right. But I didn't see them until Octoon Baby. They never came around any place I lived until, actually, they still didn't. I was, I was 18 years old, senior in high school, and a buddy of mine and I, we decided they're playing in Seattle tomorrow night. All right, then we packed up the car. We drove up to Seattle. We left school, drove to Seattle, got some tickets, saw the show, slept in a park and drove back. 12 hour drive each way, man. That's true fandom. But that was actually the first time I realized I could do something like that. Mm -hmm. Like we, we were high school kids to think we could travel some huge ass distance and just to see a concert and then turn around and come back home. Right. And we did it. And then, after that, that year, I went and saw a whole mess of shows. And I've just been doing, that's been my life ever since. I'll go, you know, when I lived in France, I followed Echo and the Bunnymen. I went through France, Belgium, and Holland with those guys, you know. Wow. And then I went over to London to see the Guinness Flaw. You know, I went over to London to see Sinead O'Connor and James. And, and you know, I just, so I could, once you get to this, you just kind of, you know, once you get as bad as I am, as as addicted to the whole thing as I, then you'll do shit like that. You know, I do shit like that. I mean, I now I do it professionally. Um, we're we're touring in Europe. If if you feel like you need a new band to to follow, we're we're touring from from February to March. But like, I feel like Put that's me out, give me a laminate and I'll photograph the tour for you. You know, like for real. I'll... <laughs> Hell yeah! If that's all it takes, I, I, or, or another, you know, camera. I'll, I'll, uh, nice, very, very nice. Well, I, uh, um, yeah. Let's see. I got this jobby too. I'm going to Hollywood next week to photograph you too, and uh, sorry, uh, New Order. So I'm uh, a long distance paparazzi lens right here. So this is, uh, yeah, I'm going to photograph New Order next weekend in Hollywood. So, uh, really? the bowl? Hollywood or... Bowl, yeah. Oh. Yeah, actually, in 93, I went inside New Order at the Hollywood Bowl, too, at <laughs> 1993, man. So, yeah, I like, I'll, like, say, oh, yeah, I saw, like, most of the United States I've seen because I was going to U2 concerts, you know. That's but I've seen like I'll go anywhere. I, I I drove to see you know Peter Murphy in Phoenix, Arizona. I drove to Palm Springs to see a band called Mary's Danish. I'll go to Denver to see Peter Gabriel. You know, I'll just whatever. I'll just go to see shows. You know, so yeah. If you if you get that right, I'm one of those like jackasses who will just like I gotta go and see a concert, and so I do. You know. Anyway, um, enough about me. What's that? I love that. I love that, like, um, zeal, I'm going to call it, that, like, slightly militant uh, commitment to live music, because, like, who really does that in the end, you know? Like, who really goes that far to go see a show? We played a show here uh, in Basel on a boat on the Rhine, and it was because it was August in Switzerland. It was torrential downpour, like, pouring rain, mm -hmm. and there were people, like, sticking it out with, you know, we, the band on our little raft, we had a cover above our heads, but, like, the people watching us didn't, so they stood there with, like, umbrellas fucking for 90 minutes, and I was like, what band would I do that for, like, as a fan? What band would I stand in the rain for? So I was really, 
was really moving. And that's like, you know, driving to Palm Springs for like whatever, 12 hours or, or Seattle. It's like a comparable commitment, you know, like I, I, yeah, except we were sitting in 104 degrees and drive, but yeah, it was sure different, different challenge. But like, yeah, but I'm saying it's like, man, you gotta want that, and and that's that's a beautiful thing. You know? Well, like, so speaking of like, so you played a show out on a boat like that? That's that's pretty cool. Like, it was <laughs> aside from the rain, right? But uh... well, the rain that kind of made it like extra special because you know those people like stuck it out in the rain with us but i also realized like why there aren't more shows on boats because there's there's like a river separating you from the audience it's very like greek mythology you know well like uh one of the best shows i've ever seen i I used to live in bremen germany and um uh right up the road is bremerhofen it's the actual harbor of bremen right you know the harbor there and one of my fave bands, Leningrad Cowboys, came out and they played on a boat there. Like, so they had a big boat that they that they moved all their set, they moved everything, and then they moved the they moved it out the stage out onto the river and dropped anchor, and then everybody just sat there and watched them. And I mean, it was a full on stage and everything, right? And there were like twenty thousand people there, and I was thinking, now that's pretty cool. First of all, because it was Leningrad Cowboys, but second of all, that they did something like that. But but people do that in Bremerhaven all the time. So maybe we'll we just gotta like you know look to them for for inspiration and guidance. Also, the Leningrad Cowboy thing reminds me of like my own music video, the like weird Euro take on on a quintessentially American figure. You know, the like cowboy association. Yeah. So you know those guys? Do you know Leningrad Cowboys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, oh, I've never. It, they're they're one of those bands. Um, there's a bunch of like Norwegian and Swedish bands that they make me think about that are like the most deranged punk like out there. That that uh, one of them starts with. I mean, I can't really say their name because they're they're that like. Um, from a different time they start with turbo you know and and they have they're norwegian and they have these like followers that have their own jackets with like they call themselves turbo youth and stuff it's like such a weird toying with like totalitarian past and like postmodern present i guess whatever so i don't know if leningrad cowboys are, are all that like involved with with that same punk energy but but they would be the St. Petersburg Cowboys now, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they would be same thing. So I love, but like the Leningrad Cowboys, man, because the, they they actually did a show with the Red Army Chorus, right? So you've got like, oh, wow. they're, and they're up there singing "Knocking on Heaven's Door" by Bob Dylan, you know, with the Red Army Chorus there, and there's the eleven guys with their with their pompadour haircuts, and no, they're just they're just out there wild, you know, they're like. If if anything crazy from Finland ever happened, it was those guys, you know, because most people think Finland is this most drab, boring, whatever place. Yeah, but you got Leningrad Cowboys come out of there, you know. They're from Finland. They're from nope. Finland, yeah. So that's what I'm saying, like Scandinavian fucking like weirdos. That's that's um isn't him from Finland? His infernal majesty, Villa Valo, the like goth emo. He had a huge hit. And he covered Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. Um, I'll have to look that one up, man. 
Oh, really? It's pretty gauche, but he was like a sex symbol when I grew up. So all the girls were into into fucking Billy Balo, who's like really, really not having a good time, you know? <laughs> like like most goth artists. <laughs> like most emo. Um, let's see. Your song, this is probably my favorite song of yours of all. That I, I When I got into your catalog, I really loved this one. Someday you'll be the fool and you'll know what it's like. You've cut, man. I appreciate that. That's um thank you. Yeah. I, I know which one you mean, but but uh, most people might never have heard that song. Oh god, that was like that one. I just had to sit down, like I'll go through and I'll take notes of stuff and go, okay, let me grab some lyrics, let me think about this with this one. But that one I would just had to go, wow, I'm gonna just with a title. But I went through it a couple times, and I was like, "Okay, this is that's like my fave of yours, period, right?" But your lines, your bruise turned blue. You turned to me and said, "You'll get yours too." Remember when we found that boy you knew uh, to roll away uh, my way, just to roll to my house, just to tell me, okay? Um, what was the situation around that? the story in that song yeah um that that was a well, i haven't thought about that song in a minute um that, that was about a, a high school friend of mine who who uh passed away and yeah and, I, you guys were young somebody died yeah yeah um and and then like and then he died which was really crazy so like having gone through the like first uh experience of of that like shock and peripherally right like being knowing the kid who who passed but but not being super close with them and then like losing the person that you first felt the the sort of shock waves of that with um was was uh was crazy was was really um kind of like profoundly unsettling and i mean it still makes me makes me very sad to 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 think about and and i guess maybe there's a nostalgic theme there too right not to bring it all back to to that but um it definitely makes you wistful for just like the the time you had with someone even even if like they're still around or you just lost touch if it's like the connection that died if it's not literal death that you're mourning um there is a the older you get um there, there's a sense of loss that that kind of accrues in in the five uh, words a lot of the time i, I think because that uh i was getting that i was like there was somebody like yeah we both knew that person that died but what what am i missing what else am i missing here and that was an interesting i mean uh you you turned to me and said you'll get yours too was it a good friendship with that person yeah and and very um kind of incestuous in the way that that you can only be friends with um as as teenagers right like in in for for better words like just whatever skipping school like doing a ton of drugs together for, for like hating everyone and everything like not the most constructive connection necessarily but but they become like a, a sibling almost or like yeah some... okay but I, I love the, the someday you'll be the fool and you'll know what it's like 
what a name for a song, man. I but I, I, I think you and I would need to just crack open a bottle of very good rum and spend about nine hours talking about these things you know i'm down if it's not rum the rum is the only thing i won't drink um but but it, we i'll do bourbon or or you know scotch even vodka if we're if we're talking leningrad I'll, i'm leningrad cowboys look at some leningrad vodka yeah da, yeah um so how much um oh yeah I also speak some Russian too. Yeah, it's. Uh... I'll have what he's having. Yeah. <laughs> so, your your boss man cover, man. Obviously, you're a fan of the boss, of course, and uh, that version of Dancing in the Dark mm. was so well done. But again, that you're gonna need to go back to listen to some Greg Glaswell. I'm gonna send you that guy because i I hear people doing boss man covers all the time right because he's the boss bruce springsteen's amazing yeah but they do them to sound like bruce springsteen sort of big mistake maybe it's it's my take on a springsteen song to sound kind of like how springsteen did it and you kind of said well you know i'm gonna just uh well i'm gonna sing the lyrics but the rest of this is going to be my take on it. And it was very well done. Thank you. And like, I've heard that, I've heard that song on probably a hundred Bruce Springsteen bootlegs. Right. And he does it good live, but you kind of did it better than his live in a strange way. I got more of a, it delivered a better feeling that I didn't know I would have heard listening to that song ever. That's, I mean, high praise. I would almost blasphemous praise, but I'll, I'll still take well, it. Well, it, it, it's it's that the, the the Springsteen live is great. You know, I'm I'm yeah, sure because yeah. everyone's got a thousand bootlegs by the guy because he's just you know I mean he plays live and then we record the shows. That's like you two and the boss man. That's like every show gets bootlegged. Um, but your feeling that you gave from that song and your performance there was just very different. And I really loved it. It was very different than what I got from, from any other version I've heard of that song. And so I was, I, I, I I had to say like, cause it's kind of a tall order. I mean, everyone does Springsteen covers, but it's a tall order to do them well it's risky and and that just came out very good thank you i i i have to give props there to my producer long time my my second beetle as i call him uh daniel schlett yeah daniel schlett here but he, he also did iggy pop and the war on drugs man and he's been around yeah so so he's he's the like I want to say he's like my first listener and my editor and stuff so this is exactly a conversation i had with him um, cause a radio host basically like dared me to, to cover a uh, Bruce song life on air with them. And I, obviously I called Daniel. I'm like, ah, what do you think? Uh, is this a good idea or bad idea? And he's like, well, just do it like the way you hear it. Don't fucking try to sound like Bruce. Cause 
chances are you're not gonna you're not and, gonna <laughs> yeah like that and and if you are that that's great but he already does so like that's that's already out there and i feel like if i can do something that's just my own take it's it's not like better or worse it's just like something that's not already out there then i'd rather go for that and to me dancing in the dark it like hides behind the like up tempo like fucking dancey you know um original version or the live versions but listen to the lyrics it's a sad fucking song man it's like a really it's a country song i think at heart it's like he puts the knife in there you know and then he like twists it and i stuff. go to so, bed feeling the same way i'm just nothing but tired yeah it's, that that guy's in a, in a in a dark place you know and and so he might go but but if you if you slow it down and it's, it's like I think that's the way he wrote it too, according to legend. Like someone said they didn't hear a single on like Born in the USA when it was almost done, the whole record. And he like went to his hotel and wrote Dancing in the Dark. And so I figured like, what, what did it sound like? That first, you know, mythical version. What must that have been like that, that feeling that was. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's really, that's an interesting point, you know, um, that, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, I, I only say that because um, uh, one of your other songs, Out of Love. Yeah. First of all, I love redheads. So fucking well done, man. Okay. Like, I love girls with red hair. Okay. Oh, thank you. So, um... so you, you know exactly. That just went ding to the top right there. Um in the video but if leonard cohen and shriek back did a song together leonard and who shriek back shriek, i don't know shriek back. i've heard of leonard cohen obviously but but, but you I don't, don't know, know shriek back well then then you're a heathen who who has suffered <laughs> to not know the grace and the glory of the deities of shriek back so that's what i'm gonna look up to i what have I been doing all this time? Yeah, um, I don't know. Because you don't shriek back, man. You don't know anything about music. I will tell you that. Um, I, look, I never claim to be anything more than a nice guy in an athlete. Than a nice guy who can sing a song. Okay. Um, not, even, not even. But but so the the actor in the music video, Ashley Robichaud, she's, she's amazing. She's a very graceful performer. And the singer on the song, Denisha, um, she's a good friend of mine. She's from Texas. And she's the one who... I think really carries that song because at the time I, as you may have noticed, I, I stay in the same like register and octave. I didn't even try to but, go up. But you see, she, that was where you caught the Leonard Cohen thing. But the, the, the opening shot, I was like, is he in a casket? Is he dead? And he's laying there in a casket. And then it switched around. I was like, oh, okay, I get this. All right, I can see this. But um early work <laughs> it was it was really really good but i'm like man that's got some when you hear some of the shriekback stuff you'll be like oh wow i could see where these converge and it was beautiful very very well done i loved it Shriek. but uh let's see the, the the lines in there there's nothing i, I mean it just the, the lines uh in the end there's your sigh and the twilight sets and your twilight sets me reeling right that was the Lou Reed actually did a song called Set the Twilight Reeling. And I was like, okay, yeah, are, are we paying homage to Lou Reed, the god of rock and roll? 
Yet again. Yet again. Yes, yes. of course. Well, yeah, like yeah. Lou Reed's David Bowie and Iggy Pop. They're the holy trinity of rock and roll, you know. Yeah, you could say it. I wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. It's like, well, which one's the God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit? It, yes, they all are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. From one Catholic to another, I, I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. Pipe Dream Cowboy. Oh, man. God, that was so cool. <laughs> all right. Now, filmed in California or Nevada, too hilly for Texas. Where where'd you film that? Uh, that was that was Los Angeles. That was um, on a movie ranch, and I remember we had to we could only smoke inside like a car with the windows closed because the threat of a fire was so high. Yeah, that, that was a very strange experience to to. to... Also, I, I thought like there was a a special magic about the place that I wish we just like spent less time filming me and and spent more time just taking in the crazy you know coen brothers like no country for old men right it was that it was the 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 trailer in kill bill i mean there was so much that was kill bill like in there too right uh, you're, you're out there and then that the, the tiny chapel i'm like how did they get those camera angles in such a small building but um when she was there dancing in the red lights yeah okay that was twin peaks beautifully that was i was like oh god i'm in love that woman could say come with me and jump off that mountain and i would have you know um but (laughs) was she possessed in the chapel having the convulsions you know like i was like because i've always been fascinated by even though i i'm not religious anymore but the idea of those weird revival shack churches and people being taken over by the rapture and the spirit and they're they're flailing about or there's demons in them or they just got bit by a venomous snake and their body's going into convulsions there she was doing all that at the same time who's digging whose grave and then she's walking out with blood all over her hands i'm like oh i love this man this is you know so that was that was but the best line in there. I still love the best line. Mother Superior, please don't write me off. I tried to write, but I stole and then I got caught. Pipe, yeah. Pipe Dream Cowboy went and missed his shot. Bad dream, brother. Uh, the time passed to wake up. I mean, what, oh, was, wow. what was going on with that song? Because that's a masterpiece. And it's totally out of your wheelhouse. Like, you never did other anything like that before. No, no, no. I so I was or since. Sorry, that was very early. It was very early piece. But there's anything since nothing like that. I was I was young, um, and I I was listening to I think a lot of Beatles at the time. I think there's a lot of Beatles references, like a lot of um, I'm gonna say White Album. Mother Superior, jump the gun. Okay. You know, so I was that was going on, and I think. The the cinematic references, a lot of those are, are owed to the, the director of the video, uh, Catherine White, who who is is you know did an incredible job. Um and it was so long ago, and it's been so long since I actually watched that thing because I don't love watching my own videos after yeah, who, done. nobody does actually. I, I've, no. I've been I've been told, <laughs> yeah, I don't like watching my yeah, I wish you hadn't brought that up at times, but 
this is this is me, my show. I'm curious. I'm asking the question. This is shit that blew my mind that I want to understand, man. I want to. I want to get this. I, I love that. I, I I'm so sorry that I'm such a, like an inadequate um, interviewee in in these regards. Like I I had at the time. I think I I, tr- I was obviously trying to capture something like Lynchian and in something Californian in this weird like grotesque. Um, I'm I'm gonna say like maybe a little American Gothic way too, right? So there's the the rapture, the speaking in tongues, and the ambiguity about who did what to whom, and what does it really matter in the end if like the the body is never found, <laughs> sort of thing. Like uh, that was because um, you're you're there's the scene of you with her sitting in the shit trailer, yeah. you know, the camera angles in that tiny little chapel. All this I was like, whoa! I mean, this is. That was cool, but you like, like you said, there was some sort of spirit sitting there that you wanted to experience that was going on that that you really like. I'll just feel it instead of just trying to film this, right? It was, and and you know, like doing a shoot like that, it was my first like involved. Um, I'm gonna say like cinematic scale production and i was staying near that movie ranch uh i think in west hollywood or something and and i was driving in my fucking rental i was driving back and forth to the set um and and i i would drive along mulholland drive so i was like deeply we're, we're in, deeply into it at this point yeah 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 and, and and i would because i was you know a kid basically i was like wow man this is what a magical mysterious place like what a weird crystal we must be on for for all those reverberations to like come through every every morning at like whatever dusk when i would drive and like through the hills and so it was very much like a, a very unique um maybe a little solipsistic experience <laughs> <laughs> that's totally cool man so because i i really enjoyed that video uh, oh, thanks, and, and, and just like it was a different spin you know um gosh i still have like 20 more songs here 20 more questions i want to ask you your song like a friend yeah I, I dissect your work. I, I I dissect people's work. If you haven't, if you haven't noticed, I put it all into the microscope. I want to get to uh, the moon was full. The band played on. I guess I had my numbers wrong. When the wind comes out, I need to. I need you to tell me the light goes out. Mm-hmm. Look at me and tell me like okay. a friend. Any questions? Yeah, that, and then the next, a couple of lines later, a pillar of salt will line my way back inside the world again. What was, how disconnected were you with that person? And how fucked up was it that you're saying, when when the light goes out, tell me, you know, when the wind comes out, when, when the light goes out, right? Tell me like a friend. I mean, what was, what's the situation there, man? So that was, um, I was pretty disconnected and I think it was uh, maybe myself I was sort of addressing. <laughs> uh, that there was, I was trying to capture like a moment, this is gonna sound so pretentious, but I was trying to capture a moment of actual alienation where like you don't know if you're on your own side anymore and you actually realize maybe for the first time that you can't always trust your own judgment. And so it's, it's almost like taking yourself aside and being like, 
hey man um so we're still like if shit hits the fan we're, we're still gonna tap out right like we're still in this together you're not just gonna let me fucking go to seed you know and and um so it's, it's like maybe that maybe like grabbing myself by the proverbial collar and and having a little heart-to-heart check-in um before it's too late <laughs> wow so what happened after that did you um well i'm still kicking right You're i'm still I'm kicking st- yeah no i i think so it's it's weird to to See, like because the way you described it was look are, are we going to have an intervention here do we do, 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 time to go to rehab right time to dry up time to or not what is this about right you know um, was it, that, that was kind of what but it was an outside person of a friend but now you're telling me it was you okay but uh, yeah I, I think more more into sure it, it could like translate to to that type of excess or like lack of control but but also just in terms of like are you really still looking out for yourself right like are you still uh holding your own best interest at heart whatever like that means in in like specifics is is um i leave that up to whoever dissects it or whoever listens to it but i think yeah in, in so many words i i did use that as an opportunity to like check in with myself and and we're we're on speaking terms again no know. good <laughs> um i guess i'll tie up with i don't know maybe maybe not uh uh brando oh yeah talk about a talk about a mood a party starter oh my god so let's see the last call i need to make should i go out with a bang hit the town wave my arms like nixon on the on the lawn uh when i go out there tonight here i am still busy plotting my escape should i go out should I go without a whisper, keep it down, sit back like Elvis? Um, I'm afraid it will take a bigger man than me to put me out of my own misery. Part yeah. of that whole thing makes it sound like you're you're stuck in Las Vegas and I will do anything to get me the hell out of here. Um <laughs> Maybe as a metaphor, I think that could work. It, it's more like your Las Vegas is your own mind, and you're like too much of a coward to to you know get yourself out of that skull in one way or another. Um, so the I, the manliness and like maybe the the sort of heteronormativity of uh, that's the the term Brando, Marlon Brando, right? Like, yeah. He was the, the man's man, yeah, yeah. He was the man's man, and also like the the most fucked up, like you know, broken person ever, like to grace the screen in some way, or like a template, I guess, for that. I'm not, I'm not saying he he was anything. I I don't I know about that other people don't, whatever. But like he's so beautiful, so like um, historically manly, right, in his own way, and then like. Even just his voice, I don't know if you remember the first time you saw Brando, but the first Brando movie I saw was uh, Streetcar, Streetcar Street Named Desire. Desire. Yeah. Like you, I'd obviously seen Brando, like every time I'd put on a white t-shirt, I was like, I hope that's what I'm going to look like, whatever. But then if you actually like watch the movie um, and you hear his voice, it's so like fragile and kind of like high pitched and so different for some reason than I imagined. I thought he would sound like 
whatever, like Steve-O from Jackass, you know, I thought he would have like a deep fucking like, you know, and, and, and it was so far from that. Um, and so to me, he always represented. Stella, right? Yeah, yeah. There he was. He was this abusive guy, but also very frail in his. And and he had this tenor, this this like um, you you couldn't really be that well, man. Okay, so he was in Last Tango in Paris. Yeah, and Which... like I want, I was like, motherfucker, man, drowned his ass in the sand. He's a horrible human being in that movie. And and I think that was real too. But we, yeah, but then you saw what created that character. You're like, oh god, you know. But he also was in Julius Caesar. He played um, played Mark Anthony and Julius Caesar, and he gave up there and gave uh, uh, the 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 eulogy at uh, Caesar's funeral, and it was very well delivered. Like Mark, he did a very good job during Mark Anthony. Um, but no, my first Brando experience was actually watching him in Superman. Back in the seventies, that was the first time I ever saw the guy. But I've never, I've never done that to myself or like my my Brando image. I've, I've never, I've never made it there. Is that uh, that's like late Brando? We're talking like post apocalypse now, Brando. Nineteen seventies, uh, nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine was Superman, I think. Yeah, eighty so six was Last Tango in Paris. Right, but sixties uh, it was pre way way pre apocalypse now for uh, for uh, the uh, um, Julius Caesar. So Julius Caesar is like I think Julius Caesar was like sixty two when he was. Yeah, born. and then Superman is like when he's like at the very tail end, sort of 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 like his screen. No, no, he he was still doing stuff after. He was just I mean, really? yeah, he was in Don Juan with. Uh, uh johnny depp um so okay i don't watch television or right? i have adhd and i cannot watch tv i don't have the attention of, but a movie if i can sit down and, and just stay in the movie it's fine but a, a half hour sitcom where they have commercial interruptions i get lost man i can't do it you know so either um I, I, just to, to like in in terms of the, the vegas thing i, I think the it, it's funny to think of yourself as like of a of an ilk with Brando, Nixon, and Elvis. But but I was I was trying to maybe ridicule my own ideas of like masculinity, whatever that I'd internalized, right? So like Brando contains sort of the whole specter of that, like the ultimate um, hero and the ultimate coward slash like beastly ghoul, whatever. Yeah, that yeah, I thought. yeah, yeah. When he did one, he was per he every role he was good at. Yes. Except it's like a, an actual person. I hear he wasn't such a... He, he was a loose cannon, drunk bastard, bisexual, slept with everything. Yeah, he was... Yeah. Not the best, dude. Yeah, not not the, not the most virtuous kind of guy you'd get. I mean, I don't have anything against bisexual people or drunks or whatever, but when you roll all that shit together and make everyone else's life around you difficult, then, okay, you know, so... But I mean, like, the, I, I could name off a hundred musicians that I've met that were like that. I'm like, fuck, like, just turn it down a couple of notches and you'd be a little more successful in life in general, you know, but they don't know how. And <laughs> we're look, we're doing what we can. Um, no, I agree. I, I think if if you can avoid being a total piece of shit as a musician and a person like you should definitely opt for that option <laughs> if, it's, if that's what 
my two cents on, on how to live a good life. Uh, yeah. I think everyone's better off for it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. So anyway, uh, final question, I guess. Aside from that, I had some very good guitar work. was like the Killers and the bass line was very Pixies-esque, right? That Brando's a hell of a number, by the way. But not just lyrically, just the, the music was fantastic. But, I appreciate um, it. Where is the term Sam himself? I, I was, That was like the first question I was going to ask that we never got to. So it's Sam himself. Sam himself, that started as a joke, man. I was, when I came to the US, I played in bands first, and then those like got smaller and smaller till I had a duo that was like a singer, songwriter you can imagine. Like, um, and then this duo was supposed to have a show, and the other person didn't turn up, and I was backstage. And then the promoter of, of the show was like, finally, look, like either you're going to go out there or I'm calling it. So I was like, no, I'll, I'll do it. And he announced in like a moment of wry humor. He was like, and here is Sam himself. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of, uh, I don't remember the show per se. I don't think it was my best show. I don't think, um, but it stuck. It kind of like became a, a motto, if you will, like, man, you got to go with, go with yourself. If, if and it you was, know. it was somewhere up in New York, I guess. Is that when you were in your New yeah. York? Downtown. Like what, a place that maybe wouldn't play now, um, but but at the time, it, you know, at least the promoter had a sense of humor. So I guess. They're... <laughs> well, so all right, everybody, I got Sam himself here, and uh, we we got he's got a tour of Europe. You're not coming to the states next year, or is it planned for that? No, definitely, definitely in planning. Uh, too soon to to tell. Too soon uh, to talk about, but Sam himself will be playing in the states next year. Yes and the world and uh hopefully salt lake city utah fingers crossed and um oh man i'll take you to some crazy place for some video shoots man i i know some you got the cameras i i, I, got, I, the... I got it i got all the gear man let's do it <laughs> so... um thanks for making time and thanks for all those deep dives man that's, that's oh uh... yeah so wait, what, what song do you want me to play this out with uh of mine yeah well, I would say my new single, Golden oh, Days. Oh, I know. I'm all, I opened with that. What, what do you want me to play us out with? Let's let's play us out with um, Maybe Allison by Sam himself. What the fuck? Okay, Maybe Allison. I, I did listen to that. I had notes on that, but didn't get to it. All right. So, everybody, this is Sam himself. Thank you for tuning in to Sticky Jazz. Sam, thank you so much for your time. And everybody, take care. Be good to each other and let music do awesome in your life.
Thank you so much, Sam, for the Mondo intense conversation there. And uh, everybody, just enjoy this one. This is Allison. Uh, Special thanks to Barry Andrews of Shriekback for letting us use the theme and title for Sticky Jazz. And I hope all of you have a wonderful week. And happy Halloween, everybody.